Hello, and welcome to the Gravel Ride Podcast, where we go deep on the sport of gravel cycling through in-depth interviews with product designers, event organizers, and athletes who are pioneering the sport. I'm your host, Craig Dalton, a lifelong cyclist who discovered gravel cycling back in 2016 and made all the mistakes you don't need to make. I approach each episode as a beginner to unlock all the knowledge you need to become a great gravel cyclist. This week on the show, we're talking to Mark Allen from Wichita, Kansas, and talking to Mark about his journey from being a non-cyclist three years ago to finishing the Unbound 100 this year. I very much enjoyed this conversation with Mark, and I hope you do too. I think it just goes to show all of us that regardless of the challenge, what's important is putting one foot in front of the other, one pedal stroke in front of the other, and just keep moving forward. Before we jump in, I want to thank this week's sponsor, Bike Index. Bike Index is a nonprofit bicycle registry and stolen bike recovery platform. The platform has helped recovered over $18 million in stolen bicycles. And you know what the one thing they all have in common is? They freely registered their bikes on Bike Index. So head on over to bikeindex.org, register your bike. All you need is the serial number, make, model, and color of your bicycle. You'll get it in the system, and hopefully you never need to use their services. If you do, they've built out a robust stolen bike recovery platform with tools that you can use to freely share your stolen bike on social media channels, as well as ways of actually advertising against your stolen bike to your fellow cyclists in your area. It dramatically increases your chances of recovering a stolen bicycle. So please take a look at bikeindex.org. With that said, let's dive right into my conversation with Mark Allen. Hey, Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to dig into your story. As the listener knows, I always like to start just by getting a little bit about your background. So why don't you tell us where you're from, where you're living, and originally how you found the bike, and then we'll get into how you got the courage to sign up for the Unbound 100 this year. Yes, I grew up in Wichita, Kansas. Did not know hardly anything about gravel cycling at all, which is amazing when you know Unbound is basically in the backyard of Wichita. So uh, about three years ago, I decided I needed to get my health in check and was probably about 60 pounds overweight, struggled with some thyroid issues that created me to to gain an immense amount of weight. And I went to Walmart and bought a bike that just, I just decided to go ride a bike. And yeah, did you just get tipped off that cycling was a good activity, easy on the joints and I read, yes, easy on the joints, trying to not hurt my knees any further than they've been over 53 years of using them. So I jumped on this bike that was way too small and I rode it and I rode it and I rode it and uh, started losing weight, started fixing my nutrition, started fixing the proper medicine with my doctor. I mean, you put the three together and it, I really started having great results, great health results, great mental results. I mean, it was just, a, you know, all on this little itty bitty mongoose bike that I bought in Walmart. I'm 6'5 and 280 pounds at that time. And I'm now 6'5 and kind of bounced between 230 and 240. But so I'm not literal at all. <laughs> Was, was the environment in Wichita conducive to cycling? Was it, were you seeing people out there on the roads that made you say like, oh, like I see people are really passionate about this sport. 
Oh, say it all the time. It's amazing amount. You know, we don't have the greatest cycling infrastructure for the level of cycling that gets done in Wichita. Really surprised at that, but the amount of people that are riding bikes, I mean, everything from recreational bikes to folks on road and folks on gravel is amazing. So the, it's very popular here. It's very popular here. And, and it's, Again, it's just amazing to see the amount of people doing it and really the amount of people not doing it. And I've been really spreading the word on cycling, trying to get other folks, you know, involved in it because I've I had such great benefits from it. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, a couple of things I want to drill into there, but, but first off, you know, cycling, I think can be a, a cost prohibitive sport. It can be kind of confusing and intimidating. You just jumped right in and got, got yourself a bike and started riding. Were you riding just on the, the streets and trails of Wichita at that, at that first instance? Get up every morning at about 4 a.m. and I would ride through my neighborhood and then I would go out of my neighborhood uh, down to an intersection across the street, up all the way down to the next inter- street, intersection, cross the street and come back through the neighborhood. And I kept doing laps very early in the morning. I was a little self-conscious. I was very, I didn't want any traffic, didn't just, just needed to ride at my pace and, and just build upon, build upon that. So didn't venture far, just a lot of repetitive laps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. I mean, it's great that you sort of knew that about yourself and said that like, you just need to get started and everything else that we'll talk about that came from that start started with you just being willing to get up early and ride around the block a few times. That is absolutely correct. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to ask you about that you mentioned, obviously you started to see some health benefits. I think anybody, movement is just so important for all of us. And you, it was clear you were going to see some health benefits right away. But you also mentioned, you know, you felt mental benefits from riding a bike. So I'd love to just kind of hear a little bit about your thoughts about that and the benefits you were getting for just getting out there and riding. Solitude. It's, it's amazing. Just riding by myself and having time to just think. I own my own business. I have 30-some employees. I have, I'm married and have seven children. I have five children that are out of the house now and two home. Very demanding. So a lot of responsibility, a lot of working with a lot of people and just finding time for myself, just tiny, you know, sorting things out in my head and trying to find you know, self-care time to really meditate on things, think about things, talk to yourself, you know, just even positive feedback from yourself. You know, if I set a goal for the day and I accomplish it, that feeling was phenomenal. I mean, it was, it just, and it was, there were little goals, you know, there were little goals at first, three laps, four laps, five laps, you know, and that self-feedback loop of, wow, I did it. was was immense so i get up in the morning i do these rides i set my daily goals i meet my daily goals and my entire day starts out different i'm not waking up with the the weight of the world of my family or my work on my shoulders i'm waking up and accomplishing a goal immediately and it just sets the tone from the day from there on out just absolutely sets the tone yeah i completely agree with you i got out this morning for an hour before anybody was at the breakfast table, got home. And honestly, anything I achieved throughout the rest of the day is is inconsequential because I've really I've spent that time with myself. I got a little bit of exercise in and just enjoyed, you know, the environment that I'm able to ride in. 
Yes, and, and I want everybody to understand it's just little things, right? It's little things, just getting out and doing little things to begin with. And, and you know, my story has this incredible ending, which is another beginning, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about soon, but it's just little things. I mean, it's a lap around your street. It's that simple of a, a start, you know, the, the start's the hard part, but it, it isn't, you know, it isn't hours at a time, which, you know, it's just a little bit. So, you know, I tell everybody, don't be afraid, just start, you know, pick something easy and go do it. And, and it's amazing how the rest of the day just comes together. Yeah. So tell me about, see, you know, you're running laps in the neighborhood and you're building up your mileage. Was there a certain point where something clicked and you said, well, gosh, maybe I should set a target. Maybe I should try to ride 15 miles or 20 miles. And it kind of got you a little bit out of that neighborhood routine and made you think I can do. I started reading about single track and I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. And watch some videos. And I went and bought a specialized double XL rock hopper. It's a huge bike, which fit me, which was great. So that's really the first bike that fit me to where, you know, I wasn't scrunched up. I wasn't hurting or anything like that. And I left, I Prairie Sunset Trail is about five miles from my house. It's a trail that runs about 20 miles on the west side of Wichita. And I left, I left the, the confines of my neighborhood and I rode that trail. It's flat. It has, it has no elevation on it at all. So it's just flat and you'll find everybody, people walking, walking their dogs, you know, riding gravel cyclists. I mean, everybody's on that trail. And so I was first able to overcome people seeing me on a bike. I finally had a bike that fit me. So I didn't look terribly crazy. And I started riding that trail. And, you know, at first, the first time I did 10 miles on that trail, I was beside myself. I was just like, this is the greatest thing ever. I did 10 miles and that's five out and five back to where I parked. So, you know, five out with a break, <laughs> five back with a, you know, when I parked. And so I started doing, uh, I did a little bit of the air cap Memorial trail, which is there too. And then I had a pretty good wreck on it as anybody that does single track, you know, I had a really good wreck. I hit a tree with my left shoulder went over the handlebars. I'm too old. I'm too big to be going over handlebars. <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay, this is, this is kind of scared me. And at that time I had met Nathan Wadsworth, who is in charge of uh, elite. My son had been going to him doing some personal fitness with him. And Nathan is a phenomenal gravel cyclist. So him and I had just been talking back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And he's the one that steered me, that and the tree steered me away from single track and towards gravel cycling. Okay. And were you able with, we, were you able to find gravel cycling roads out of Wichita that you could start to enjoy at that point? Oh, all over. They're all over. There's a 45th street is, I would say a mile from my house and I can do a, 20 mile out and back on the same street with some decent elevation with a boat marina at the end of the first 20 miles. So if you need to use the restroom or get something to drink, you can refill and, and head back in. The gravel roads around Wichita uh, on the west side of town are great. Not a ton of elevation training wise, but they are, they're, they're incredible and uh, very rideable. And they were really designed to help me, you know, learn how to ride a gravel bike. Okay. And did you end up swapping the, the specialized mountain bike for a drop bar bike or were you still on the specialized? I rode that until I could find one. My problem was this was right pre-COVID and as COVID was 
hitting, every American went out and bought a bike. And, and given my size, there's only a few manufacturers that make a bike large enough for me anyways. So what Nathan did was to steer me to a, a specialized 64 carbon sport diverge. And I spent months looking for that. So I was stuck on Rockhopper riding gravel roads like a gravel cyclist, looking months on end for a gravel bike that the specific 64 and I found it over the internet in North Carolina. So it was in, it was at a shop that couldn't ship it to me due to specialized franchise territory rules and all that. But it was in a town that I have a friend. It was in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I called my friend and I said, hey, they have this bike that I've been looking for for months. Could you pick it up for me and ship it to me? And, and my friend Chuck was like, absolutely. And I said, it's at All Star at, in Quail Corners right outside of Raleigh. And he goes, that's the bike shop I use. And I was like, holy mackerel, we, we've got my bike and it's in Chuck's neighborhood and I'm going to have this bike here in three days. And I did. It was just, it was a miracle. I mean, yeah. it was, you know, just, it was cool. It was That's really amazing. Cool. Yeah. I'm glad you were able to get something relatively efficiently because I've heard tons of stories about people trying to find a bike. And in your particular case, as you describe it, when you've only got a model or a couple models that are going to work for you, you probably have an even li more limited opportunity to grab a hold of a gravel bike. Yes. Yeah. There's just not for my size, there's not, and that's something hoping in the future that the gravel industry will look at. Cause there's a lot of guys, my size that would do this if there was, I think more availability, yeah. you know, of, of bikes of size. So you'd been riding maybe about a, a year. Did I get the timeline right? When you got that gravel bike? Yes. It was, a, it was about a year. Was when you first sort of stepped over the gravel bike and started riding with dropped handlebars. How did you, how did that feel? Was that a, a rough transition from a straight bar mountain bike, which is a little bit maybe easier to ride, I'd argue? Scared me to death. <laughs> I had never, I mean, I had never written any, written anything um, like that. And so just the basics of trying to master a bike that is beyond your technical skill and also way beyond your physical skills. So the, the, the bike was way out ahead of my abilities and just having a thumb shifter. I mean, literally I I'd never, I'm like, I didn't know what gear I was in, <laughs> you know, just trying to technically learn how to ride the bike. It took me, it took me quite a while. I mean, it took me, I don't know, several months to finally get into the flow, get into a fill. I went through three different fits trying to just get very comfortable in it. So I'm, I'm riding it every day. I'm going, you know, weeks at a time, I go get a fit and then I get another fit and I ride and get another fit. And finally it all starts coming together and it, it, it's not easy on gravel. It's, it's not easy at all, as we all know, but it was, it's funny trying to get me to shift before I go up and then how am I managed to go down properly without crashing and, and just it was an amazing transformation. It just was, everybody thinks you jump on the bike. And yeah, I just jumped on the bike from Walmart and rode. I just absolutely rode. I got on the rock hopper and I just rode. And then all of a sudden I'm now leaning forward and I've got gears to manage and I've got gravel to manage. And all of this comes together where it, it takes a while before you can technically maneuver with, you know, any kind of efficiency. Yeah. Did you, did you see some immediate performance benefits on being on that bike versus the heavier mountain bike? 
Oh yeah, it, the the street that I would ride on every night had a lot of gravel cyclists on them. I could never stay up with them. I mean, I never, I couldn't even get near them. So you know, we would all start out together, and I'd be the one in, one behind. So yeah, it was it's it's amazing the difference in uh, performance that you get with it. And that bike has been phenomenal. It's 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 amazing. When when you get your bike working good and you have confidence in your bike. It's just, you're unbeatable and you're unbeatable in the sense of the perception you have for yourself, you know, what, what you expect out of yourself, you're, you're meeting and surpassing your, your own expectation. I'm not worried about beating this guy or beating this guy. I'm worried about my perception. You know, what should I expect out of myself? And when that bike is together, it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah it sounds like in those months, you're really feeling yourself and feeling just kind of great about the journey you've been on. Did you go back to Nathan and talk to him? And at what point did you see this sign on the wall that said unbound and thought about doing that? It's pretty funny. It actually happened before I got the gravel bike. I said, would you coach me if I get a gravel bike? If I go get this gravel bike, will you coach me? He says, yes, he'll coach me. I said, great. And I said, well, I've been looking at this sign, this map on your wall for you know, a bunch of time now, every time I'm in here with my son, I said, what is this? And he says, that's the unbound 100. And I just laughed. I said, people ride a hundred miles around Emporia. And I was like in the hills and, and I love the Flint Hills. And I know the Flint Hills like the back of my hands. And I was like, why, why would you ride those hills? How do you get up them? You know? And, and, and he was, you know, laughing at me and, and, and I said, okay, I'm going to get the bike and you're going to coach me. He says, yeah. And I just matter of factly looked at him and I said, I'm going to finish that in three years. And I'm so happy he didn't laugh at me. I'm so happy he just didn't start cracking up and go, you, you know, you're naive. You don't know what you're talking about. And I said, Nathan, you'll learn. You'll learn. You know, I'm, I'm, if I say I'm going to do it, if I believe I'm going to do it, then it's going to happen. And so it, it sounds a lot easier. I'm, I'm probably making it much more simpler than what I went through. But I made a promise to myself and I made a promise to him if he coaches me and I follow him and he helps me that I'm going to finish, finish that. And I did. And it was incredible. Incredible. Amazing. So when you had signed, did you sign up sort of for you raced, obviously the 2022 event, how long before did you know you had gotten the slot? Oh, a couple months. It was a okay. couple months before that. So, you know, I was, I was just worried. I'm like, why would they pick me out of, you know, thousands and thousands of people that are doing this. I'm like, why would they pick me? What was the, you know, and, and when they did, I was, ah, oh, I was ecstatic. I was like, I can keep my word to Nathan now. <laughs> you know? Did so, you go through some special process because of the journey you were on? Was there like an application for, you know, someone who's doing something bold? It was a long application. I mean, the, the actual physical application and, and I was like, I answered all the questions and I was like, why would they pick me? I was like, I hope there's some somewhere on the application I can tell my story a little bit. And there was a box that says, tell us a cool cycling story. And I was like, oh, I got one. You know, old heavy guy that needs to get better, grabs a bike and rides and fast forward, he's in the unbound, you know. So, <laughs> so, so you've got Nathan in your corner, obviously advising you as to what to expect when you got to the start line. What was your confidence level like? when you arrived at the start line? Is it something you knew you could do or is it something that you're like, I'm going to try my best? I knew if I could get to Madison in which Madison is the cutoff. If you don't get to Madison by 1.30, they'll stop you on the, on the ride. And so I was 
very confident that if I got to Madison, I could finish. If I cannot have a mechanical, if I cannot have a flat tire, if, if the bike held together, I knew I could get 64 miles in that time. And I did the 64 miles to Madison in five hours. It was the fastest I'd ever written. I, it was pure adrenaline. It was pure. It was just, oh, man, I'm in, the, I'm in this thing. Let's go now. And I was highly confident that I was, I was going to get there. And I was, what was looming over me was a little bit of the climbs, but also I'm, every mile somebody had a flat tire every mile it was just flat tire after flat tire after flat tire and i was like please no please no (laughs) going back to the start line i mean what did you feel like you're surrounded by a thousand people or what whatever the number was starting the unbound 100 were you intimidated i'm assuming you hadn't done a lot of group riding to that scale not to that scale i had done two years worth of rides Two years worth of rides, but nothing ever to that scale. I was in awe. I was just awestruck. I just kept looking around at all these people, feeling that I didn't believe belong there still. That I was like, how in the heck am I in this thing? I was just like, wow, this is awesome. And I was ready to go. Is about the best way to say it. I'm not, I, I was just, let's go. I'm, I've worked yeah. three years for this. Let's go. But uh, still didn't believe I belonged there. Still didn't believe that. I was in the middle of this. It was very surreal. Left the start line and couldn't quit smiling through Emporia. Yeah. You know, I think for anybody who hasn't done an event, there is an electricity you feel at the start line and that can go a long way. I mean, if you're leaning in and really enjoying that experience, like the miles just sort of fall behind you because you're, you're part of this thing that's bigger than yourself. Yeah. And that's absolutely, that's absolutely what it was. It was just, it's hard to put in words the experience of starting. It was wow. I mean, two to three minutes to get people out of the across the finish or the start line. I, <laughs> it was cool. It yeah, was cool. I think that's always the funny thing. You hear the the cannon go off, and then you look around, and no one around you is moving for a few minutes. Yeah. Yep. When when you're rolling out in those, you know, say the first twenty five miles, when I assume that the the pack is still pretty thick. Was that challenging for you to kind of be around all those riders? Yes, because I usually end up in the middle of a race and at a start of a race of a, you know, the smaller races that I do, I mean, their separation happens very quickly. So you have the the first 25%, they get gone, they get out of everybody's way. And then you have me, the 20 to 75% falling in that line, you know, where we talk, you know, we draft, we ride, we enjoy ourselves and we all have our goals for the day and we're trying to achieve our goals. And that's not a big pack. And a lot of the time I end up solo. I just end up solo on these races. So being, I had to be much more aware of what was going on around me. I had to understand if the person in front of me is struggling a little bit. It's just a lot more, a lot more going on. Your head had to be in it more than I've ever experienced before. So there's tons of stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, oftentimes you're you're pushed into a line that maybe you wouldn't have selected if you were out there on your own. And I imagine that's where a lot of the flat tires happen because people just get forced into riding through a little bit more rocky section they, than they would have selected. But when there's a dozen people around you, you can't just go swerving, picking the best line. Yeah, there absolutely, absolutely what happened. There was a lot of people that went through areas that they probably normally wouldn't gone through. One of the things that I noticed was 
yes, people were riding over Flint Rock that I was like, don't do that. <laughs> I was like, do not ride over that Flint Rock. And there were scenarios where they were stuck. And, and at any point in time, we were all stuck. I was stuck on one climb where the person in front of me was slowed down to the point where I had to come out of my, come out of my pedals to keep my balance because they just, they're, and I couldn't go right and I couldn't go left. And I, if I kept going, I was going to hit them. And, and so it puts you in positions that you've never been in experience that you've ever been in before. And so you've got to figure it out on the fly. And, and that's probably the first 25 miles. My biggest handicap in that first 25 miles is I was like, now what do I do? I, you know, usually I can just swing right, swing left. I could stop. I could go. I could, I had so much more freedom in my other races. This one, you were sometimes just stuck. I mean, you were just stuck with what you were in. Yep. Yeah. And I think having the patience, because oftentimes when you're impatient, you make a bad decision like, oh, I think I can float over those flint rocks and it's never going to end well for you. Yeah. And a lot of people did. And I was like, you know, Nathan kept telling me your native knowledge of riding all these roads are, is going to pay off. And after a while, I was like, stop riding over that folks. <laughs> I was telling people, don't do that. Come here. Local knowledge. I love it. Yep. One of the other things, you know, in talking to a bunch of people who have participated in Unbound this year was, was the mud. And I've spoken more towards people who were doing the 200. And I know the professional athletes, given their pace, experienced something different than the mid-pack athletes did along the way. Did the mud come into play in the 100-mile race for you? Oh, it did. There was, I think, two miles of, it was unbelievable mud. The bigger, the bigger issue was the thunderstorm previous to that. So I'm going to answer your question about the mud, but I definitely want to talk about the thunderstorm because that Please. was unbelievable yet i had been in one other race um, the flint hills gravel ride where they had about two miles of mud and it was probably the second race i'd ever been in and of course i ride into it and my bike becomes stuck i become stuck i'm completely coated in mud my bike's coated in mud and and then it dawns on me and i was like oh the paint stick that that guy had in his jersey that's what this is for because <laughs> i was like why does this guy have a paint stick why does he have a paint stick? And I'm like, now I know why. So I was able to get out of the mud and work my way through the mud. And, and it really hurt my time because I spent, I don't know how much time trying to get the mud off my bike with my fingers and tearing blue stem grass out of the prairie to, and using that as sticks. And so not a lot of experience, but I knew better than to ride into it. So when I got to the mud, I stopped and I watched what everybody was doing. I was just looking to see who was riding, who was not riding, where were they walking? And I was like, a lot of people were walking out of the road in the grass. And that's to me a no-no because you now have mud and you now have grass and it just will continue to build up. And I started watching where the water was running down the street or down the road in the minimum maintenance road. And if water is running downhill, it's running on the flint rocks. And so you're not in the mud and a great thing being as big as me is that I could pick a carbon fiber bike up with one hand like it's nothing. And I literally picked it up and I put it on my helmet. I literally straddled my bike on my helmet. I found where the water was running down the road where it's just flint rock. And I walked it. And I walked that two miles with the bike on, with my bike on my helmet and my, holding it in my right arm and using my left arm to keep my balance. While a lot of people were walking in the mud and trying to ride the bike in the ruts. And, and so what, I was very, I was tired. 
I mean, I was absolutely tired carrying a bike two miles, but when it was time to get out of that, I set my bike down and I looked at my cleats and I kind of clicked my cleats a couple times and jumped on my bike and was gone. So again, some of the native native knowledge of what to do in mud helped, but it was, it was, it slowed me down. I mean, yeah. my first 64, my first 64 miles were five hours. My next 40 miles were four hours. So the mud really put a damper on, I wanted to finish in eight hours and I finished in nine and, and I would, the mud did definitely contributed yeah. to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a shame when you've got an ambitious goal to have forward progress halted in the way that that two miles of mud did for y'all. It did. It did, yeah. but it's part is part of it. It's it's awesome. It's just part of it, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. You. Yeah. Twenty twenty two is just going to be another one of these kind of unique adventures that Unbound offers riders. Yes. So uh, tell me about that thunderstorm. I'd been watching the weather all week, and I was like, "Wow, I think we're going to get out of this thing without without rain." And as we were approaching Madison, as I knew I was going to make it to Madison, I was just so happy. I was just like, "Man, I'm. I now know I'm going to finish this thing." And then it started raining. I'd have to say five miles out of Madison, four or five miles out of Madison and really raining. And then it turned into a full on Kansas thunderstorm where the rain comes from all directions. I'm not just not down. I'm saying from the <laughs> east, the north, the west, the south. It was coming from all directions and my glasses are fogging up. The rain's dripping from my helmet into the back of my glasses, so it's rolling right into my eyes. The roads aren't bad going into Madison. They've been pretty dry, and they're still not bad going into Madison. But by the time we hit Madison, it was Madison was soaked. The roads had a couple feet of water, you know, where the, the gullies were going across road, and it was pouring. I mean, it was all my nutrition in my saddlebag was soaked. So, like, my 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 peanut butter, my Uncrustables. I love reading Uncrustables when I ride and, and my, uh, all that was just soaked. So I had waterlogged nutrition in my kit. I had, you know, the goose and the, the honey stingers and all that stuff in my kit, but everything was soaked. I mean, just absolutely soaked. And I was hoping it would pass over pretty quickly and it did not pass over. I think for the next 20 miles out of, Ma out of Madison, it was raining in some function. I mean, you come out of Madison, a little bit of a ride, you get into the mud. The mud is even worse than what was probably planned because of the thunderstorm. You get out of the mud and you're still just absolutely inundated by this thunderstorm. So my back 40 was affected by the mud, but I think it was more affected by the thunderstorm just due to the fact of it was just never you can't train for that you just yeah. never write yeah. in anything like that so it was yeah uh, it's just like 15 percent harder than you imagined all yeah. of a sudden how did slow you down. how was your how was your spirit after madison i mean you're you're going slow you're getting hammered by the rain are you still thinking like i got this or did did, did doubt start to creep in i got out of madison well as i was coming into madison I, my left calf the front of my left calf started tightening up it felt like it was tightening up and i was like okay, I'm getting poured on. I've made good time. I'm happy. But then all of a sudden I've got this stinger going on below my left knee. And I'm like, okay, I'll get to Madison. I'll stretch it. By the time I get to Madison, it is pouring so much. All I want to do is switch my nutrition out, fill up my camelback, and I'm going to get on my bike and get out of this thing. And hopefully I can ride out of this. A little did I know I couldn't. I stretched my calf for a little bit. And, and so I've got this stinger in the front of my left calf. I've never had this before. 
I go into the mud. I walk two miles. The stinger's there. I get on my bike. I'm riding. I'm still getting port, poured on. Excuse me. I'm still getting poured on. And now I've got this sore muscle to the left of my tibia, basically. And I'm like, okay, this is now an issue, you know? So thunderstorm, rain, and a little bit of a stinger going on in my leg. And I'm rubbing it and I'm rubbing. I'm pedaling with my right leg, you know, I'm rubbing it okay. And I just all three things kind of came together and I'm like, I don't care how much this hurts. I'm finishing. I am finishing period. And I knew I was off my eight hour mark. I knew I was off that. There was no way I was going to make it up. And I just powered through it and it hurt. I mean, it, it hurt. I still don't know what it was. I don't know why it was, but it hurt. So those three things together kind of, is there doubts? Yeah, there was doubts. There was like, why now? <laughs> you know, why now? But I just made my mind up. I was like, I'm, this is, I've done this way too long to, to deal with this. And, and I just worked, powered my way through it, you know, and I, there's a lot of people that said, Hey, hop on, hop on, you know, you know, come with us. And I was just like, Hey, I'm doing this at my pace. I'm, I'm a little bit hurt right now and I'm just going to keep going. And so Put those three, the weather together and with a little bit of an injury, I was like, I still determined, but yeah, it, it bothered me. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine. And so as you, as you approach the finish line, when you're in those closing miles, what kind of thoughts were going through your head? Oh man. I think when I saw the Emporia water tower, it was just exhilaration, but I was at that point, it's like 90 or 95 miles out. It was exhaustion. It was, it was, and then what was great was all the people along the entire route cheering you. And every time you came upon somebody cheering you, that gives you a little bit of that adrenaline. And you come into Emporia and they trick you with one last climb up the backside of Emporia State, that you know, Highland Road, I believe it is. And it's a significant climb. It is, it's a street, but it's a significant climb. And you're like, oh, one more. And you come across the, you come across the campus and you come into the chute and you're like, everybody's cheering. It's just like, like you see on TV, you know, like you, you see on all the, everybody's cheering and you're just like, wow, wow, I made it. So it's, it's amazing. It's, I, I had, I just amazing. It was, could not believe I did it cross the finish line and stood there. Very, yeah, very cool. Yeah, that's phenomenal. I mean, what a journey to get there. What a journey, the race, given the weather, provided for you that made it a little extra tough. It was like asking the question, Mark, do you really have this in you? Yeah, it's, and I think that was a great thing about, about it. Now I can look back and say I was in 2022. I was in the thunderstorm. I was in the mud. It's a, it was a unique setting, a unique set of circumstances. And I was able to overcome them. You know, typically when you ride in Kansas, you're always dealing with the wind. And so you're mentally prepared for when, when you ride in Kansas, just never encountered in anything in three years, a thunderstorm of that magnitude. Everybody was safe. There was never an issue of safety. It was just a heck of a rainstorm. I mean, it made the roads outside of the mud, even, you know, not great. So, and I was eating soggy Uncrustables. <laughs> so <laughs> it was like, it, that was not great either. <laughs> so. So. Oh, amazing. Well, this is great. I mean, I really enjoyed learning about your journey to the start line and even more excited to hear the journey to the finish line. Cause I, I do think it's a huge accomplishment and I'm always 
stoked to meet people who set a big challenge for themselves and realize like it really is just about continuing to turn the pedals. And if you have belief in yourself and you put a little time into your training and energy, many of us are capable of much more than we think we are. I, I completely agree. Where I was, was a successful entrepreneur, had an you know, incredible home life, kind of looking at now what, you know, what, what's next, you know, kids are moving out again, like I said, a little bit of medical issues, trying to deal with those. And, and it was cool finding my inner self, finding my true identity, finding, you know, a lot about myself, even at 53 to be able to go, yeah, I still can do things. I still, you know, I'm more than just a husband. I'm more than just an entrepreneur. I'm Mark you know, and trying to understand who Mark is and what Mark is capable of. And it was, that was really the big journey. And, you know, the bike was the the instrument along the way. So it was, it, it was really cool. I love it. Will the bike continue to be part of your life? Oh, yes, it's, it absolutely is. I've, I've taken about two weeks off and my body needed it. And my brain needed it. I'm getting ready to get back on it again. Nathan has talked me into doing the 78 mile gravel worlds. So in August, so I'm going to attempt that next, but how in the future competitive wise, uh, we'll see, I'll, I'll continue to do some races. Um, the big thing is for me is continuing getting on the bike, you know, you know, three, four times a week, getting on the bike and riding because it's such a, it's great medicine. Riding a bike is great medicine. And that's really why I started. And I'm going to definitely continue with my medicine, which is riding a bike. And then we'll see, it takes me from there. You know, bike across Kansas interests me, which is going on right now. That interests me. Gravel worlds interest me. So we'll see. But what I do know, I am getting on the bike pretty much every day because it is medicine. It's true medicine. I love it. And that's a great place to us for us, for us to end. Bikes are medicine. Mark, thanks again for the time. Truly appreciate it. And congrats again on your journey. Thank you very much. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Gravel Ride Podcast. Big thanks to Mark Allen for sharing his story and huge congratulations to him. I think everybody listening can understand that was quite a journey and it's quite a feat for anyone finishing one of these 100 mile plus gravel events. So kudos to Mark and thanks for the time. Thank you also to Bike Index for supporting the show. Remember, go visit bikeindex.org to register your bike with this nonprofit. All their services are free, so there's no reason other than your time to not jump on over there and register your bike. If you're able to support the show, please visit buymeacoffee.com slash thegravelride. Separately, ratings and reviews are hugely helpful, so I very much appreciate anybody takes a moment out of their day to share their thoughts on the show. That's going to do it. Until next time, here's to finding some dirt under your wheels.